0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We serve such a loving God, don't we? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You are our God, Lord. And we're we're proud to be your sons and daughters. We are very proud of you, Lord, because we look around the world and we see the great creation that you created for mankind. Amen. And even though it's fallen, it's still beautiful. Just imagine how it was before when Adam and Eve walked in the garden with you. Can't imagine the beauty mm. of what you created. And as we look at the stars and the moon and the planets as they, as they travel through space, hung on nothing, Lord, we see the greatness of who you are. The heavens themselves, says the Bible, declare your glory. And Father, we believers here on earth are in total agreement with that. If people can't see you or know that you exist, Lord God, they need to take their blinders off that have been placed on them by the enemy, and they might see what's really going on in this world. Today, Lord, I pray that on Sunday and every day that goes by that every Christian church that preaches the gospel, Lord, that you will wake some of these people up, and they will finally see that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and that you, Father... Yahweh, our his are his daddy. Lord, he called you Abba Father. And Lord, Daddy, we call you Daddy too, Lord. Yes. Lord. We've been redeemed by your son, and we thank you for that, Lord. There's no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus. To say there is another way is to tell Jesus that his work wasn't good enough. It wasn't paid in full, but it was paid in full, says the scriptures. The precious blood of the Lamb. Of God unblemished and spotless was shed for us. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you did that for us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for saving our souls from the pit. Lord, we bless your holy name. To you be the glory, Lord, tonight through Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. Lord, not just tonight, but every day that every one of us that is part of this church walks. Lord, may we bring glory and honor to you, applying what we learn from your word into our life so that the world might say, you're different. What is it about you? And we have the opportunity to tell them it's all about Jesus. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. Lord, we long to tell the world that, and we long for them to hear. Lord, use us in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Amen, everybody. Welcome, Freedom Church for everybody online again. I'm going to repeat this. Uh, everybody here may be seated if you want. For those of you online, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad we're glad you're here tonight. Um, uh, we're in Genesis chapter 38. We're going to do some a little bit of prayer time. Before we go, it's kind of a short chapter, but it's a powerful chapter. But you know, next week we get into chapter 39. We we really dig into Joseph. So um, you know, uh, we'll we'll glean as much from this chapter. I really don't want to go into Joseph too deep before we can spend a a good period of time on him. But we can't overlook chapter 38. It's very important to the to the uh, saints and to the patriarchs, you know, down the line. So, um, just so you know, I named this chapter, My Sin Looks Much Worse on You. My sin looks much worse on you, see. Um, Jesus said it this way, Do not judge, lest you be judged yourself, for in what way you judge, you shall be judged. So, um, but in my sin, if I see you doing what I sin, sin in my own life, it does look bad, worse on you. And God's trying to say, well, straighten up. You know, you're the teacher. Anyway, before we go into that, uh, for those online, I want to remind you, Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. You can go to your website, Freedom Church PB stands for Palm Beach dot org, Freedom Church PB dot org, and you can find out all about us, what we believe in who we are um, you can um, you can listen to any of our messages from years back you can donate online you can do just about anything online uh, anymore but you can't get fellowship online that's why the Lord says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some but all the more as the time draws near as you see the indignations out there in the entire world it's the time that you need to draw closer all to the Lord, all the more. Not stay home and sit on your bed and watch TV. You don't get fellowship. You don't get exhortation. You don't get to tell your brother and sister that you love them with agape-type love. And that's why the Lord warned us, and we got to heed it. So it's time to get back into the work of the ministry for all of those that have changed their format. They say after, like, like, 20 days of doing something over and over again, it becomes a habit. Well, we've been doing this, this indignation for over a year and a half now, and a lot of us have got complacence and stepped there. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a bold teacher, I guess. You know, I'm going to tell you, get out the church. The work of the ministry depends on you. Even though Jesus said you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, you know what, the church does need to operate in this worldly system. So, um, you know, there's many churches out there preaching the gospel, and uh, we're all one, according to what the scriptures say. We're one church. So, um, for those online, again, tomorrow night, ladies' Bible study, 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida, Euro 995. Just go west on High Paluxo Road, about a half to three-quarters of a mile on the north side, and there we are. 7:15, 7:15, the ladies' Bible study. You know, Grace is here. About 10 minutes to seven. You can come early. Uh, so um, bring your bring your neighbors with you too. And uh, men, 9 o'clock Saturday morning, Bible study right here, 2810 High Poluxo Road. Next Sunday, uh, for those online, tune in at 10 a.m. FreedomChurchPB.org. We're studying. In Matthew, we'll be in chapter 4, starting in the 12th verse this coming uh, Sunday. Uh, We're doing verse by verse. We're doing expositional teaching right now in Genesis and Matthew. And it's amazing how these two blend together. It's amazing. You know, the whole Word of God blends together. But, you know, when you see it in action, you see one end of the, you see the Old Testament and then the New Testament, and you see the beauty that God created, you wonder How can that be done unless an all-knowing God has done it, you know? So anyway, um, I hope to see you tuned in. You can even donate online if you would like to. So uh, we appreciate that. Keep the work and the ministry going. Um, So um, before we go on, like I said, I wanted to open up in some prayer tonight. Uh, We used to do it a lot before this uh, indignation hit the land a year and a half ago, but because everything kind of changed around. Well, we're going to get back to normal and we're almost there. Uh, so praise the Lord. But I want to pray. There was a person in our church that, that saw a guy fell over on the street and he was having a heart attack. And she immediately laid her hands on his heart and started praying for, for him. And, and uh, they called 911. And the way I hear it, you know, he said, Yeah, I believe in Jesus. And uh, on top of that, you know, they, I guess they took him to the hospital, which would be the right thing to do. So we want to pray for him. His name is Mike. Um, we also want to pray for uh, uh, a person in our church's uh, daughter, Laura, uh, boyfriend's parents. Both, both um, the husband and the wife came down with COVID-19. Even though they have their shots, they got COVID-19. Uh, so we want to pray for them. As far as I know, they're unbelievers. Uh, so we, that's what we need to pray for, that God would open their eyes that they might see. Um, see, the, the flesh is fine. We live for a period of time. Hopefully, we could live up to 100, 120 years. That would be nice if you're an upright person. I hate to see Hitler live to 120, you know. But, but um, believers, you know, they really love Jesus and serving him anyway we don't want to go before our time um anyway we'll keep them in prayer and we'll pray for them specifically before i get into the bible study we also liz and i want to pray for our son gabriel who pulled a ligament and tore his left knee up the ligament just kind of like a rubber band just pulled up into his hip and tomorrow he's having surgery so we'd like to pray for him tonight um also, uh, Michael, our uh, one of the people here, wants to pray for his children that are in another state, so we want to pray for them. Um, I have another person here that's mothers who, who has already gone to heaven to be with the Lord. Her house uh, has some insurance claim, and they're trying not to honor it on the insurance, so we want to pray for favor. Uh, for for. That's why you have insurance, you know? you know people get scared they're going to raise my prey okay well you know save some of the money that you get and and pay the extra money okay um anyway and uh i want to say hi to ray and claudia up in new hampshire you know i was talking to them today they're they're doing good and i i check in with them regularly i haven't checked in with helga lately but Helga's is probably working in connecticut and we want to know you're still a big part of this church in our hearts and you always will be and we love you guys and girls so much so continue to stay with us and we'll continue to pray for them we'll pray for them tonight just a general prayer um anybody else have a prayer request here mike Your young boy's going to be eight? No, 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 I haven't seen my three kids. Oh, my. Eight years he hasn't seen his kids. So we'll pray. You know, Michael has a new life now. He's a different man than he was a few years ago. So praise God. Anybody else? All right, let's go to prayer, okay? Father, tonight you told us that we have not because we ask not. Lord, you said, "Ask and we shall receive; seek and we shall find; knock and the door shall, uh, sh- and the door shall be opened." And who? And then the next verse says, "Whoever asks will receive." So, Lord, we're asking; we're knocking at your door tonight to hear these prayers. Lord, we don't even know this fella Mike that Ann prayed for today, as she saw him falling over on the street. Lord, we don't know uh, who he is. I know he confessed that he knows Jesus, and that was a good thing, to have confession of the mouth, Lord God. And, Father, I just pray that he renews his commitment with you. Thank you, Lord, that the EMTs got there in time, took him to the hospital. And we're so so thankful to you, Lord, uh, for you to minister to Mike's life. let this, this be a wake-up call to Mike, that he knows that it's time to serve Jesus with all of your heart. Because many believers, we say we believe, but they are not doing nothing. And, Lord, we need to take the gifts that the Lord gave us and, and put them to use within the Christian church and within the world. Father, today we want to lift up Barbara uh, and her husband, uh, lawyers, lawyers, boyfriends, parents who have COVID-19. Lord, even though they have the shots, they, they still came down with it, Lord. And, of course, you know, it's supposed to be... L- you know, not as bad if you have those shots. But the point is, you know, they got it. And, Lord, we want to rebuke that wretched disease in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord. I don't know. I believe it's, it's uh, demonic in nature. And, Lord, I'm praying against it. I'm shutting it down by the authority that Jesus Christ has given us. Lord, your word says that no weapon can be, that's formed against us is going to prosper. And every tongue that accuses us in judgment, we have the authority to condemn. And the one who accuses us in judgment is the devil. And the accuser and the devil's name could be translated as accuser all through the Bible. He's the one that accuses us. But, Lord, you said that those weapons that he comes against us with will not prosper because they're mighty. You know, our weapons are mighty through you. They pull down demonic strongholds, cast down demonic imaginations, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we come against it with the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. Say, it is written. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And we have the authority to rebuke devil in Jesus' name, and we do so for this couple, Barbara and her husband. Father God, we want to lift up our son, Liz and our son, Gabriel, to you with the ligament surgery that he's going to have tomorrow, that ligament just pulled back and straight up into his, his, uh, his uh, hip, Lord God it's got to be pulled back down and I guess sewed together, Lord and he's having that surgery tomorrow so we put him in your hands, I pray that it's, you know, with us, they give the doctors wisdom, discernment and use, and, and get that, that ligament attached in the right spot and for a quick healing, Father in Jesus' name Lord so father this guy is a fireman he's an EMT guy he's a hazmat guy Lord God and he's always helping people and I pray today that you would help him you know as he as he as he goes to surgery tomorrow. Father we want to pray for Michael and his kids Lord hasn't seen his kids in eight years. Lord eight years ago this was a different guy. Today he's born again and he's woken up. Even though he might have prayed when he did, when he was a younger man, it didn't really register till a few years ago. And, Lord, now he's a different man. And, Father God, we just lift up his children to you, Lord. We pray that, you know, he can get in touch with them and, and see them, and they might see the change in him, Lord, and, and his life, Lord, that's going on. And we just put him in your hands. Give him wisdom, discernment, understanding of what to do and how to um connect if it needs a, if 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 you open the door lord let it happen we put it in your hands father god we want to pray for for brian's um mom's house lord that you know her his mom is with you lord god such a godly woman we know she's with you but lord There's some leaks, there's some damage, water damage for the roof and all that, Lord. And, Father God, we got to get that fixed. They have insurance, and this insurance, they like to take the money, but they don't like to give it out. You know, but that's what it's there for, Lord. So today I pray that they be sent to say, listen, we'll give you this much, and let it be a, a rightful and a decent offer to get the work done that needs to be done. So, Father, we put that in your, your hand. We bind back the devil He's trying to steal any monies from, from, uh, from, from Brian, Lord, and, and his, uh, his contract with the insurance company in the name of Jesus. We bind them back in Jesus' name. If you try to steal a dime from, from Brian at this house issue, you're going to pay, pay it back sevenfold according to the word of God in Jesus' name. So Father, it's in your hands now. We call it done. We thank you and praise you, um, Lord. We want to. I just thank you. that Ray and Claudia are up in New Hampshire. That was their dream uh, many years ago, Lord, and you have fulfilled it. And we thank you and praise you, Lord, um, for getting them to to where they needed they wanted to be. And Lord, you said. You know, without vision, the people perish, and they had vision, and you provided the way. A few about a year ago, Lord, and we thank you and praise you, Lord God. We want to lift up Helga in, in Connecticut, Lord. We know that it's still uh, you know, something's still real heavy on her heart, and Lord, we love her, and we pray that we could have, we could share that burden with her, Lord God, Lord. You would they say a blessing is doubled. And a burden is cut in half, and Lord, may it be cut in half today, because we, her, her uh, brothers and sisters in South Florida, love her, and take half of that burden with with us. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. And Lord, as we get into the Word of God tonight, I pray, I pray for everyone here tonight. I pray for Matt and Amanda, and Chino, Michael, Brian, on. Liz, Grace, and Lewis, and Marilyn in the back, Lord. Lord, we pray for each and every one of them here tonight. Lord, we all need something from you. Uh, we, We also are all the people that put out as much as we can to serve you on this earth, Lord. We do what we can. We can't do it all, you know, but we can do some. And Lord, at least we get something done. And Lord, we are that kind of people. These people are those kind of people. Father, they're humble. They love you. They want to talk to everyone about you. They're just like the disciples in the book of Acts. that said, We can't stop teaching, we can't stop telling about Jesus. You know why? They saw him. They saw him come to the earth, they saw him heal people. They saw him walk on water, who knows, They and whatever else he did, Lord, he healed the sick, raised the dead, the blind saw the lepers were healed, the, the lame walked, Lord God. He brought good tidings to the poor, and Lord, and then we spit on him, crowned him with thorns, whipped him with a cat of nine tails, sent him off carrying a cross. To a hill called Calvary outside the city of Jerusalem, forced it into the hole and hung him there from nine o'clock in the morning till three in the afternoon. Lord, the sky thundered and lightninged and rained, the earth quaked as the Creator died on the cross as His blood. Hit the ground. And the curtain in the temple was torn open. So that everyone would ha- have access to the Holy of Holies. You, the Father, our Father God. Through Jesus Christ, our, our Lord. The one who had no sin in him. But became sin. That we might become the children of God. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, we thank you. For our, son, our Savior Jesus, Lord. We lift, we lift his name high at Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, Lord, and we give you the glory. And Lord, what the important part is these people saw him heal, deliver, be beaten to a pulp, and they saw him die, and they know he was buried in this grave in the tomb. And we know that three days later, he arose, and over 500 people saw him at one time, along with all the disciples, and Paul, and Peter, Lord God, and they all gave their lives that we might have the, the good news of Jesus Christ, because he lives, we can live also. He didn't have to die, because there was no sin in him, our sin came upon him, as he Drew his last breath, and he said, it is finished. And what was finished? Our redemption. Praise the Lord. Father God, we could go home now because we just heard the whole gospel in a prayer. And we thank you and praise you. But we're not going home because we're hungry for your word. And we want to know and glean everything we can so that we can take it into the world and teach others and apply it into our life. Father, with the devil bound and the Holy Spirit loose, Lord, we dig into your word right now. And to God, you, Father, be the glory through Jesus Christ our Lord and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Okay, Genesis chapter 38. 38. Last week we touched on Joseph. We finally saw Joseph in chapter 37. We touched on Joseph. We heard about his dreams. You know where his brothers got envious and jealous. Even Dad and Mom was were upset about these dreams because you know the sun, the moon, and the star, the eleven stars bowed down and worshipped him, or bowed down before him, not worshipped him. And you know, when Jacob says, your mom and me are going to bow down before you. God was giving him a prophetic message in dreams. And it, it, it you're going to see it come to fruition as we go into, you know, Genesis uh, chapter 38 or 39 and onward. You know, Joseph had these dreams. They hated him so bad, his his. 11 brothers, really 10 of them, really hated him real bad because his younger brother, Benjamin, was just small. They hated him. And they hated him so much that they wanted him dead. So they come up with this plan because his father sent them him out to uh, bring food and go check up on his brothers that had the sheep. And I showed you last week that, you know, we're where he was sent to was about 65 miles away to Shechem, I believe it was. He goes to Shechem, and he couldn't find him. And there was a man there, and he asked this man if he knew about his brothers. And they said yes. He went to another city up the road, another 15 miles away. That puts him 80 miles from home. And his brothers decided, as they saw him coming along, let's kill him. So they wanted to kill him, but then it was one of the brothers said, well, let's not kill him. Let's just stick him in this this uh, cistern, and let's let him die on his own. But then Judah saw some Ishmaelites, some Midianites come along, and he said, let's not kill them. Let's get a profit out of this. Let's sell them to the Midianites and the Ishmaelites as they're going into Egypt as a slave. So Joseph, a young man, the Bible tells you he was in tears of what his brothers were doing to him, as would as you and I would probably be too. If your, your 11 brothers hated you that bad. You see how deep hate runs, You need to get rid of it if there's any hate in our hearts. As I said, I mentioned in the title of this message is, "My sin looks much worse on you. If I'm doing, it, it's okay, but if you're doing it, oh my goodness. My sin looks so much worse on you. and We're going to see where that applies tonight. So, Joseph is sold for 20 pieces of silver to the Midianites and the Ishmaelites heading to Egypt. But God has a purpose in this. What they meant for evil, God is going to turn to the good. And we're going to see that as we as we move along, in in the next few chapters. So they plotted against Joseph, and and get away with him. And his dad gave made him a coat of many colors, which we learned last chapter. And the, that coat of many colors was was given to to. Uh, Mostly the, the heir to the family, like the firstborn son would get it. And I showed you, Reuben was eliminated because he went for, from the firstborn right because he, he went into his father's concubine, Bilhah. In other words, he had sex with his stepmother, incest. He was disqualified from his, his birthright. And then we saw Reu, um, Reuben and, and Levi. To Reuben and Levi? Yeah. No, Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi. And they plotted a plan because their sister Dinah was raped. And they had a plan because the um, uh, Shechem, who was a prince in the land, he took her and defiled her and raped her, and then he wanted to marry her. And the brothers were upset. They didn't want it to happen. So they came up with a plan, of course. They would. They had to be if they wanted to uh, to hang out or be able to intermarry between these two clans. Then they would have to be circumcised. So the men agreed. That way they can they can have the women, you know, and marry them back and forth. They can have the whatever is theirs is, you know. They can. They're going to have more. I'm thinking about great gain. So when they were in pain the third day they came in with a sword and wiped out the entire men men population so they became mass murderers and of course their birthright was eliminated the fourth born is Judah and he's going to become one of the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Judah which is the fourth born son of Leah so we saw that. This 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 family was you think your family is uh dysfunctional. This was a very dysfunctional family, and it's found in the patriarchs and the Bible. So don't get all upset. God can still do a mighty work in your life. Whatever's impossible from a worldly standard is possible with God. This had a purpose. Joseph needed to go to Egypt because he was going to, um, you know the story. If you've been a Christian, a while, he was going to actually save the entire uh, Jacob's family because there's a great famine going on, and he, and jo- uh, Joseph was warned years before that it was going to come, and he prepared for it. He made sure that that there was food in the land. And, and Egypt gained great wealth. And also Judah came down to Egypt, as you know, and, and uh, the whole, whole thing got started over. The brothers, all I can say is by the brothers got there and found out who the prime minister was, the second in command in Egypt, they were shocked. They were shocked to say the least be sure one thing, your sin's going to find you out. It's about, I don't know, 15, 20 years later, but their sin was found out. Anyway, they took the coat of many colors, which meant it had a long sleeve too, which made showed that there was favoritism going on in the family. Jacob loved Joseph because he was the son of his old age. And, and they took that coat and tore it into pieces they grabbed the goat and poured blood all over it they said how are we going to explain this to dad remember they went home they explained it to dad that we found this we couldn't find joseph we found this you know it was all tore up of course blood all over it and jacob said he must have been devoured by a wild animal and they they saw his dad grieve their dad grieve and grieve and grieve and nobody opened their mouth they were liars They were deceivers. They were cheaters. They didn't even care for their own dad and his feelings. All they cared about was they got rid of somebody they hated. But be sure your sin is going to find you out, and God is working this all out. There's some more sin going to go on here tonight. We're going to see the sin of Judah and Tamar as we read in this uh, chapter. So I'm going to read here. For you, I don't know if I'm going to stop prior to some verses, or let's let's do the first uh, five verses first. Let's do it that way. Okay, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. And it came about at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Abadolamite, whose name was Hersha. And Judah saw there was a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. And he took her and went into her. That means he had sex with her, just so you know. So she conceived and bore a son, and he named him Er, Eor. Then she conceived again and bore a son and named him Onan. And she bore still another son and named him Shelah. And it was at Cherub that she bore him. Let's just explain those five verses as, as we just read them. Judah makes two mistakes. Number one, he departs from his brothers. See, bad friends corrupt good morals. 1 Corinthians 15.33, I believe it is. Bad friends corrupt good morals. What he did, he went to to heathens and he broke fellowship with his brothers. That's a bad place to be. If you're a believer, you need to hang out with believers because you're like-minded, you're like-hearted. He leaves the covering of his family and goes into the world. If you're out there in these churches, I mentioned the indignation. A lot of Christians haven't even started going back to their church again. Um, you've left the covering of your church family, and you're outside as what I would call the perimeter of God. You go to church so you can can be encouraged and exhorted and lifted up and have fellowship. That's what happened here. He departed from his brothers and lost and broke fellowship. So what, does, what happens? He becomes unequally yoked with a Canaanite woman. And her name is Tamar. I mean, not Tamar, but um, let's see. Uh, Hera. Uh, he, com- he marries someone outside of the believing faith that he is in, and he marries this Canaanite woman. We know nothing about her father, because she's a daughter of Shuha. We know nothing about him other than they're Canaanites. And here he goes into her, have sex with her. I presume he got married to her. I don't know. It doesn't say that, but it does say later that, that, that she was his Judah's wife. They had three sons together. Er, which means watchful. Onan, that means strong. And Sheila, which means petition or prayer. None of them live up to their name. It's meaning. Judah was trying to name his sons for what he wanted them to be, I guess. So he messed up pretty bad what I was going to say to the church. A lot of you have broken fellowship with the church. You came out of covering of your church church stronghold and now you're hanging out with unbelievers. You need to stop it right now because bad friends corrupt good morals. You can have a fellowship with them, but when you do, your sole purpose is to preach the gospel to them in, in a way that's That's not obnoxious. You love them and bring them into the kingdom. And believe me, if they don't want to repent and be brought into the kingdom, you won't have to worry about leaving them because they'll leave you. But God says, don't be brokenhearted. Jesus said it. Blessed are you when men hate you and spurn your name for evil for my namesake. Jump and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. Remember that. Here's the petition. Here's the application tonight. Get back to church. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You have the Almighty's protection in his shadow. Remember I gave you a story not too long ago? Many times, I used it many times, and I like to use it to drive at home. The one time I took my puppies outside in the dark. They're black puppies. I had a black chihuahua and a black Yorkie. I had them on a leash, and I could see them because the, the lights came on with the motion. I could see them in the grass, and all of a sudden I'm praying, looking at the sky, and I looked down, and my puppies are gone. I could feel them on the leech, but they were gone. I couldn't see them. Then I realized that the lights were on behind me and cast a shadow out that way, and they were hiding in the shadow of their master. And that's what you need to do. You need to hide in the shadow of your master, he who Dwells, he who abides. That means not an occasional visitor. That means that you, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. You dwell, you abide in him. That's 24 7, 365, all the days of your life. That in itself is a tough message, and they need, for right now, with the indignation going on in the world, it's time that the church. Get strong and quit being fearful of what's going on in the world. You feel something coming on, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Because I'm under the impression this is totally demonic. I really do. I really totally think it. And you know what? If you don't think there's a devil out there, you're going to have to talk to Jesus about it because he talked more about devils than he did about heaven. He talked more about hell than he did about heaven. And not only that, he cast devils out of people that were, were, were uh, crippled over, people that had that fell over into the water and into the fire. He cast devils out. Even Peter's mother-in-law who had a headache. He rebuked the headache. What gave him a headache to rebuke? You can't rebuke a headache unless there's, it has some kind of entity to it, right? So it has to be an evil entity. We need to wake up and realize who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Yes, something's going to kill us someday. It's appointed once for man to die, and after this comes judgment. Something's going to get us. Because we're sinners, and the wages of our sin is death. But thanks be to God, because we know Jesus. He's the resurrection and life. And though you are dead, yet shall we live. And whosoever lives and believes in me, said Jesus, shall never die. Well, your flesh is going to die, but you ain't going to die. Let's read 6 through 11. I hope you got the message on that. 6 through 11. Now Judah took a wife for Er, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Er, Judah's firstborn son, was evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord took his life. Then Judah and Onan... Then Judah, Joda, Junas said to Onan, this is the second son, go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her and raise up offsprings for your brother. And Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so he came about, it came about that when he went into his brother's wife, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord, so he took his life also. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Remain a widow widow, in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up, for he thought... I am afraid so that he too might die like his brothers. So Tamar went and lived in her father's house. Judah arranges a marriage for Ur, and that's Tamar. She's a Canaanite, remember? He's outside of fellowship. He's broken fellowship. He even encouraged his son to marry outside of of the Judaism, which he is in. And he was so evil, he was so wicked, says the New King James Version, in the sight of the Lord that the Lord killed him. Whew. My goodness, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God, says Hebrews 10. God killed her. He was evil. How evil does one have to be, especially as I look around today, how evil does one have to be for God? for um, to be killed by God. You know what this was Grace was running out in Judah. I think, you know what, it would have been great if Hitler wasn't around that long. And many other people, all oh, the people that were children, Stalin, another one, Unbelievable. How evil does someone have to be? We live in a time of grace, and that's why they get away with it. Because the minute Jesus was born, the minute he was crucified and resurrected, then then we have eternal life. Grace has been issued to this generation until the second, not the second coming. Well, yeah, the second coming. Grace has been issued. It's a time of grace right now. It's been going on for about 2,000 years. Someday it's going to cut out. It, in in Ur's life, grace ran out. I don't know what he did, but it must not have been very good all the way around. Onan refuses to take on the responsibility of his of his brother. What was the custom? If a man died before he providing a son for his wife it was the duty of the brother to marry her and give her a son that was the custom this son would be the son of the brother who died in this case it was her this way the widow would have children who would support her when they're grown up you can catch that in Deuteronomy chapter 25 verses 5 through 10 But in verse 8 through 10, Onan emitted his seed on the ground. God kills Onan as a result for his attitude, not the act. The attitude. Onan wanted sex without responsibility. Kind of like sounds like America today. Or maybe the world today. Sex without responsibility. I know some of us were probably there. What was the responsibility? His responsibility if he raised a if he had um, if he raised a son through his brother's wife, he had a responsibility to to um, support that family, even though even though it it wasn't really his 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 son. That's the way he was looking at it. But that was not the custom. God kills him for this attitude. That says in verse 10, this thing which he did displeased the Lord, therefore he killed him. Judah is unwilling to give his third son now. Now he just lost two sons or because he's evil and Onan, because he, he wouldn't support or go into his... Well, he did go in. He wanted to have the sex. But he didn't want the responsibility of a family. He's unwilling to give a th- you know, a th- his third son, Selah, to, to Tamar. You know what? There's something fishy going on here. We're going to see why as we as we move along. But Why? You know what? He had to think Tamor was an evil evil woman of some kind. We're gonna see we're gonna see that. He doesn't say it but he's and hints to it as we move along. Tamar is innocent. She's just a woman, wants to have a child. She's not guilty of anything, especially not uh what's what's uh, we're gonna find out about her as we move on. Her desire is to build, build you know, bear Judah's heir because one of these sons would be the heir. So Tamar's really in. So let's do verse 12, 12 through 19. Now afterwards, consider considerable time Shua's daughter, the wife of Judah, died and when the time of mourning was ended Judah went up to his sheep sharers at Timnah, he and his friend Harah the Adullamite, And it was told to Tamar, Behold, your father-in-law is going to Timnah to share his sheep. And she removed her widow's garment and covered herself with a veil and, and wrapped herself and sat in the gateway of Enneum, which is on the road to Timnah, for she saw that Selah had grown up and she had not been given him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, for she had covered her face. So he turned aside to her by the road and said, Here now, Let me come into you, or have sex with you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What will you give me, that you may come into me? And he said, Therefore, I will send you a kid from the flock. She said, Moreover, will you give me a pledge until you send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give you? And she said, Your seal, and your cord, and your staff... That is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. When she arose, and departed Then she arose and departed, and removed her veil and put on her widow's garments. Let's see what's going on here. Judah's wife dies. I've run into a lot of people that had spouses that died, and the sex is a, is an issue. They're used to having it, and, of course, it's it's hard. So Judah's exhibiting the same problem. Verses 14 to 15, Tamar sees that the youngest son had been kept from her. Tamar takes uh, things into her own hands, kind of like, you know, Sarah and Rebecca did, take things in the, into their own hands, okay? And also, um, uh, Rachel Took things into their own hand. She pretends that she's a harlot, a Canaan at a temple, a Canaanite temple prostitute is what she portrayed herself to be. And Judah propositions her. Listen, she's older now. She must be good looking. She must be pretty built pretty nice because he wants her. What made him so attracted to her? She had to have been somewhat attractive. But she covered her face, so he had no idea who she was. He propositions Tamar, unaware that she's his daughter-in-law. But Tamar is pretty wise. She asks for a pledge. He gives her the guarantee he'll send a goat. But she wanted more than a goat. She couldn't prove anything with the goat. She must have knew, but her time of being fertile was there. Because it's a one-time thing. So she asked him, well, how about giving me your signet, your cords, and your staff? Well, your signet is usually a ring, you know, that you put the wax on an envelope and seal it like a king would do. She asked for that. The cords was usually his bracelets. And the staff which he carried, which usually had markings that someone would put on it. This is my little granddaughter broke her arm, and she has a cast on it. And, of course, everybody comes over and signs it and does their own thing on it. Same thing here. He has a staff, and it's marked up. He knows it's his staff in case he lays it down with a bunch of other guys. You know, he knows which staff is his. So she takes his personal identifications. That's like you giving your driver's license to someone until you come back with a check at the grocery store. There's no doubt who the father is in this case. She's a wise woman, but yet she takes things into her own hands. You know what gets me? The price of sex with a prostitute is a goat back in those days. Verses thirty or 20 through 26. When Judah sent the kid by his friend, the Adulamite, to receive the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. And he asked the men of her place, saying, Where is the temple prostitute who was by the road at Enum? But they said, There has been no temple prostitute here. So he returned to Judah and said, I did not find her. And furthermore, the men of the place there says there has not been no te- a temple prostitute here. And Judah said, let her keep them then, lest we become a laughing stock. In other words, embarrassment. OK, where's my, where's my laughing stock? After all, I sent this kid, but you did not find her. In other words, I did righteous, I did what I said I was going to do, but don't expose me before everybody because they'll see my wickedness, but God's going to expose them here shortly. Tamar's, okay, Tamar's pregnancy is going to be discovered three months later. Did I read 20 through 26? Yeah. Yeah. No, I read down. And I don't want to read to twenty-four. Now it was about three months later, and Judah was informed, "Your daughter-in-law Tamar has played the harlot, and behold, she is also with child by harlotry." Then Judah said, "Bring her out, that she, and let her be burned." It was while she was being brought out that she sent to her father-in-law, saying, I am with child by the man whom these things belong. And she said, Please examine and see whose signet ring, cord, and staff are these. And Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I, inasmuch as as I did not give her to my son Shelah, and he did not have relations with her. Again, one time. He said, Judah's response here when he finds out that Tamor is pregnant is judgment. And listen, it's death by burning. Does that tell you something? She was he was scared to death that she was a witch because his first son Ur er died. And then his second son Onan died. He didn't want her to marry his third son Shelah, because she thought he thought she was a witch. The Bible actually speaks positive of her, in a lot of ways. Even the Jewish Mishnah talks positively about Tamar. She acted more righteous than one of the great patriarchs of the Bible. He wants to get rid of her. His sin looked much worse on her, didn't it? That's why this is named. Your sin looks much worse on other people. You get upset because this guy curses, but you curse. Looks okay on you, but not them. Um, Your sin of pornography looks great on you, but somebody else, whoo my goodness, how about terrible? Your sin looks so much worse on other. You know what Twitter's motto should be? Tweet as we, as though you wish to be tweeted, right? You, you say, those people do foul stuff on Twitter, and then you do t- foul stuff yourself. That's that's the golden rule of Twitter. It should be introduced. You have heard it first here. Tweet as you wish to be treated. In other words, do not judge lest you be judged yourself. And what way you judge, you will be judged. Okay, to fruit inspect. Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 7. It's okay to fruit inspect. But don't judge. That's my part. Judgment is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. There, so he wants a burner at the stake, right, as a witch. And then she identifies the father. But he's too, is guilty. He didn't proposition. She didn't proposition him, although she led him that way. But he propositioned her. Tamar identifies her father her father, that he is guilty too. It proves that he is responsible for her pregnancy because of these articles that, was, that she had taken from him. Very wise move. She should have been a lawyer. Judah acknowledges his guilt. It's kind of like David when, when uh, what was his name? Um, the prophet... Confronted him. Nathan. He admitted his guilt right away. I have sinned. I'm guilty. Same thing here. Judah. So you can see gods hes God's got a hold on him somewhere. He realizes that he has sinned also. And when he's confronted with that, now his sin looks pretty bad to her. The important thing is he did own up to his responsibility. He did own up to it. And we, each and every one of us, need to own up to our responsibility that you are a sinner saved by grace. None of you are made righteous. You might be more righteous than your neighbor or somebody in jail, but none of us are righteous. There are none righteous. No, not one, says Romans 3.10. All of sin falls short of glory, says Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23 says the wages of your sin is death. And Jesus redeemed us from death. Thanks be to God. That reveals his heart. When people own up to their sin, you know God's working on them in one way or another. Judah could see through to the real issue here he was fault, he was at fault for not providing Tamar a son through his last son, Sheila. He was supposed she Sheila's older now, years have gone by she's old he's older now, and he was the age to marry but But uh, Judah did not give Sheila or Tamar to Sheila to produce a son for his brother. He's at fault. He knows he's guilty. He he's admitting that he didn't want her because if she slept with his last son, Sheila, he'd probably die too. You can see and understand part of that, but it's not good. Okay, verse 30, 27 through 30, and this is, we'll be closing it up here. 27 through 30, it came about at time she was giving birth that, behold, there were twins in her womb. Moreover, it took place while she was giving birth. One put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand saying, This one came out first. But it came about as he drew back his hand that, behold, his brother came out. Then she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. So he was named Perez. And afterwards his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand and his name was Zera. I guess that's where they get the talking about a breech birth. I don't know. <laughs> so Zera comes, I mean Perez comes out first, because his hand came out, and she tied a scarlet thread around it. But so it then turned out that Zera came out first. But who was really born first? You no, know, I guess tradition would say the one that came out first. I guess whatever part came out, I don't know. Perez is significant because he is in the family line to Messiah. The royal line continues. See, the de- I believe the devil was trying to stop You know, the family line completely. But God changed it all around. He moved it around. So if... If the third son didn't marry Tamar, I guess it was the father in law's responsibility, according maybe to the custom. I don't know. That's just a thought. If you go into the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 18, you'll see Perez's lineage leads to King David. And Perez's lineage leads to Jesus, of course, as we learned in Matthew chapter 1. And it's also the royal line, not the bloodline, as we see from Matthew's Gospels. The Lord brings Messiah through a fallen lineage. Listen to this. God chose a fallen one. That's Judah because he fornicates with a harlot. And then God chooses a Gentile Tamar, who plays the harlot as a temple prostitute, and then God chose a son to be born of sin that's perez this is this is not right, but it it happened. Nothing is going to stop the bloodline to Messiah. The devil thought he could wipe it out right at the beginning he just couldn't. God is always let me say, somebody would say one step ahead of the devil, he's way far ahead of the devil. What, a couple trillion? Demonstrates that Jesus identify. I mean, it demonstrates really Jesus' identification with sinners. God forgives the fornicator. God is the husband of the harlot. And God is the father to the fatherless. Ever hear that somewhere before? This, this passage actually shows that. God is the forgiver of the fornicator, that's Judah. He's the husband of the harlot, that's Tamar. And he's the father of the fatherless, and that is Perez. Cool, isn't it? he identified, in other words, God identifies with sinners, and we're on, remember we were in Matthew chapter 3, why was Jesus baptized? Not because he had sin in him, but because he wanted to be identified with sinners, and God has shown this right in this passage of scripture. The significance of this chapter, you can see the grace of God all the way through it. God could have chosen a sinless, a stainless, spotless lineage, the most beautiful people all the way down the line, Daniel, Joseph, but neither one are in the family line, are they? God's trying to say, I don't care if you're a Jew, I don't care if you're a Gentile, I love you. I don't care what color you are, I don't care what nationality you are, I don't care what your sin is, I just want you to forsake it and come to me, and then you can be born again. None of us can sit here, stand here today and say, I'm a sinless person. As we go through the Bible, as we well know, we can't find a person that is sinless. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. The only ones that come even close are Daniel and Joseph. But we know they're sinners. You know why? Because you interpret Scripture by Scripture and all Scripture says all men are sinners and they fall short of the glory of God. So, Father, thank you for your word here tonight, Lord. The more I study it, the more beautiful it becomes, the deeper I dig, the deeper I want to go, I'm looking, Father. We are looking at Freedom Church. We're digging deeper. We're looking for those pearls that are on the bottom, those pearls that we find as we read and study your word. Tonight, Lord, we saw the beauty of, of you, the beauty of your holiness, the beauty of your grace, the beauty of your mercy, and the beauty of your love. And we love you too, Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And if that's not true, Lord, would you work on us? So it is. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. To God be the glory. I love you all, people. Those of you online, too. You're beautiful, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night.